everyone. Welcome to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We invite you to join our mission to love like Jesus, and you can connect with us on social media or visit our website, csvineyard.org. Now for this week's talk, brought to you by Kids Pastor Emily Nephis. to be with you. I'm so excited to be here with you this morning. Welcome to our live stream. My name is Emily. I am the pastor of Vineyard Kids. Happy New Year. I'm excited for those of you that have decided to make resolutions this year. It's a really uh, always a fun time to set a goal and to have a vision. And with this in mind, having a vision we, this morning, are going to look at just that concept of vision. What do we mean by vision? Well, we could mean eyesight, right, vision, and I'll make a little play on that. But the vision that we're really looking at this morning, the vision that we're talking about is that type of vision where you're looking forward to something, where you're hopeful for something, or you have eyesight on something that maybe you want to accomplish. So for example, our country has vision. They set a goal toward that vision to accomplish something big, usually something big. Your company that you work for perhaps has a vision and you as employees come alongside them and you work toward this vision that they set for you. As an individual, we often have vision something in our hearts or in our minds that we see, that we hope to accomplish or see happen in the future, right? Oh, I hope that we might fill in the blank. I hope that I could accomplish fill in the blank, that kind of vision. As believers, as followers of Jesus, those of us who have come to that place where we surrender our lives to Jesus we have vision from him. Sometimes it's very specific, sometimes it's not. And we'll dig into that in a moment. Perhaps you see this wonderful pile of toilet paper. I know this is like a hot commodity, so some of you are like, why are you using something so precious right now? But I promise you I won't destroy it or anything. And we'll get to that toward the end, so just hang tight. Um, And you can just be curious of how on earth toilet paper has anything to do with vision, it does not mean I want you to like go invest in Charmin, although that might be smart right now. Um, But it does have a purpose. It'll play in at the end on this idea of vision. So the big question for us today is what vision? What what do I do with it? Uh, How do I accomplish it? What what vision do I have? Lots of questions in our mind. And I'm just going to give you one second to just sit and think for a moment on vision in your life and what question might pop into your mind. When you think of vision, what question pops into your mind? Think about that for a moment. Vision. I want to tell you a story uh, about a friend of mine, and it will lead us to our passage this morning to read from the Bible. I have this wonderful friend. She has three kids and a husband, and they used to live here. The husband is a nuclear engineer, and he worked for Exelon here in this area. 
It was a very high-powered job. He was not home very much. And eventually, he got to this place of deep discontent. He was missing big family events, missing dinner. You know, he just, it was too much. The job was too much on his family. He became discontent. He prayed. He cried out to God. He felt this calling, this vision from God saying to him, I want you to move. It's time to move, right? And so the husband and the wife, they dig, they dig in, they pray, they read their Bibles, they ask people around them, um, they wait for doors to open and just crying out to God, what, what, what do you, where? Where do you want us to go? What do we do? What is your vision for us, God? And so through prayer, um, they would pray, they would sit, close their eyes and just listen and wait and see if they hear anything and through that, um, and then through some open doors with the husband's job, they realize God wants them to move to the state of Washington. And so this is terrifying. Like, who wants to move all the way across the country, especially because all of their family was here. They were going to leave everything, everything they knew, all of their family, their support. This husband's job was an excellent job. He was going to leave that job and move somewhere completely unknown, right? And those of you that have moved from one coast to the other, you know this means culture shock. It's crazy, right? And so they were afraid, and they resisted for a little bit and waited some more to just get some confirmation. And I remember through this process, I went to this women's event with the wife, and at this event, there were probably 200 women and we all got a raffle ticket, and at the end, they held this raffle of various prizes, and what are the chances that you ever actually win a raffle? But of course, whose name gets called but the wife. Um, so she goes up to get her gift, and what is the gift? It's a free, a uh, couple free sessions with um, the people who come into your home and make it look amazing so your house sells, right? Um, and that was one thing that they had to deal with, was how are we going to sell our house, um, and so it was just like God opening doors left and right. Like, here's this free, um, free sessions to have your house get, you know, put into order. And um, anyway, long story short, they end up moving to Washington. They've been there a few years now. And just, I feel like every, every once in a while, you realize why they called them there. There's all these reasons why. Now, in the beginning, when they got this vision, moved to Washington, they didn't see the end result, and the end is still not over. But they were willing to obey and to trust that even though this was hard, that there was good in this vision. There was a reason for it, um, and they trusted and they obeyed God. So as we talk about vision, two key concepts are obedience and trust. Even when it's hard, even when it doesn't make sense, we are called to obey and to trust that there is good and there's a reason. And for those of us who do believe that God has a good purpose and a good plan for us in whatever he has called us to do. So this morning, we're going to look into um, this idea of vision in the book of Genesis. Um, so if you have your Bibles, your Bible on your apps, you can turn to Genesis chapter 12. And while you're doing that, I just want to pray and invite the Holy Spirit into our time together. So Holy Spirit, 
we invite you to come. I invite you, sweet Holy Spirit, to fill everyone's heart, to fill the rooms where they are right now. Maybe they're sitting on their couches. Maybe they're lying in their beds watching. And Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would come and that you would fill every heart, every soul. Lord, would you open our eyes? Would you help us to see what you want to show us about vision? And would you open our ears and help us to hear what you want us to hear from you about the vision for our lives? Lord, I pray that as we read through the beginning of Genesis chapter 12, that you would inspire your word and that it would speak to us in whatever way you choose. In your name we pray, amen. Genesis chapter 12, before I read, I do want to share um, something connected to this story of my friends. They have a son. He is now 12 or 13. And he struggled his whole life, has struggled his whole life with reading and language arts. Um, And so they went through the channels at school to see, like, what's going on and how can we help him. And um, he just really struggled. And one day, uh, while they're in the state of Washington, someone said to the wife, did you ever get his eyes checked? And the wife said, no, um, just your regular, you know, pediatrician checkup. And um, so this person uh, really highly encouraged the wife to take the son to an optometrist. So she does. And they find out that his whole life, this boy has seen double. He has double vision. So when he sees the letter A, he doesn't see one A, he sees two. But because this was normal for him, he had no idea the potential that, oh, you could see just one, right? And so he starts eye therapy. This doctor has um, special therapies to um, help develop the eye muscles so that he can now have just single vision. Sometimes this happens in our lives in this area of vision, that we might not see the full picture as it is. So just keep that in the back of your mind. Sometimes we might have blinders. Sometimes we might need to go to the doctor, God or Jesus, and say, I'm not sure if I'm seeing things clearly, but I want to. I want to have clear vision for what you're saying and doing and how I might follow you. So just keep that story in your mind as we read. Genesis chapter 12, we're going to look at verses 1 through 9, a very similar story to the one I just told you of my friends. The call of Abram. The Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran and they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah 
at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent, with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued toward the Negev. I'm going to show you a map right now of where all of those places are, just so you can get your head wrapped around what God asked Abram to do. And as you do that, I want to read the same story, just short bits, from other places in the Bible. So this story is retold again in three other places. Nehemiah chapter 9 mentions this about Abram. You are the Lord God who chose Abram and brought him out of Ur of the Chaldeans and named him Abraham. You'll also see that city called Ur of the Chaldees. And you can see Ur up on the map. It's actually in, um, in, in Iraq, modern-day Iraq. And it is 186 miles south of Babylon, the city of Ur. Then again, we hear this account in Acts chapter 7. To this, Stephen replied, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham while he was still in Mesopotamia, that's Ur, before he lived in Haran. Leave your country and your people, God said, and go to the land I will show you. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. And finally, in Hebrews chapter 11, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And so we have Abram. He lives uh, or is born in the city of Ur. Now, we actually do have archaeological evidence that this is a, an actual place, and evidence as far back as 2000 BC or BCE, and they found um, tablets and artifacts, and we know that the city of Ur at the time of Abraham was a wonderful place. It was a dynasty. It had a king. It was peaceful there, very peaceful. They found that there were laws and order. There was education. They know that students were taught mathematics, such as multiplication and division. They know that it was a prosperous place. They know the layout of what the city looked like, and it had these ports right next to the river. So we know that it was a place that people traveled to, um, where there was um, just a bustling economy. It was a good place to be. Abraham, or Abram at that time, would have been comfortable there. Have you ever been in that place where things are comfortable? 
peaceful, and good. And from this place of peace, God calls Abraham out. He says, Abraham or Abram, he later changes Abram's name to Abraham. He says, look, I I want you to leave. I want you to leave. And I want you to go to this place that I'm calling you. And Abram doesn't know what he will find there. And he's comfortable. I imagine, had I been in Abram's shoes, that that would have been difficult. Maybe I would have fought back and said, but God, I'm comfortable here. It's so nice. It's peaceful. And and this is where I have my job. And this is where everything is good. Why would you call me from this, right? We don't see any of that in, in Abram. All we see is that Abram obeys and he goes. What I want us to do this morning um, in the time we have left is to look at uh, about four verbs in this passage and take each of those verbs and apply them to our lives and talk about what they may have meant to Abram as well and to Sarai. So the first verb we want to look at is in verse 1 where it says leave, leave and go. So God says to Abram, leave what you love right now. Leave what is comfortable right now. Leave what you know right now and go. It's time to go. Perhaps that's something in your heart right now. Maybe it's not, but maybe it is. Maybe deep inside of you, you know it's time to go, right? Even though things might be comfortable and maybe things aren't comfortable, We don't know what was going on with the life of Abraham. Maybe he wasn't comfortable. Maybe you know things are dry right now and it's time to go to a place that is well watered. Or maybe you know there's a problem and it's time to go, to leave, and to fix it. Perhaps that's something going on inside of you. I want to encourage you because the next verb right next to it is God speaking. And he says this, I will show you. I will show you. I want to land here for a second because perhaps some of you are thinking, I have no idea what God's vision is for me, or I have no idea what my vision is for me, wherever you are at. I love this part where it says, I will show you. And I love how God doesn't lay it all out right now. He doesn't say, the entire plan or say to Abraham, you are going to this town. It's going to look like this. And here's all the ways that I'm going to provide for you. He doesn't say anything except that I will show you. I feel like there's some encouragement in that for you today. If you are feeling like the vision God has for you is to leave something, maybe not a place, maybe just leaving something behind that God will show you. He will provide for you along the way. He will equip you. He will not call you to something that he won't be right beside you, not saying it's going to be easy and that he's just going to throw everything at you, but that he won't leave your side. He will show you just as he does to Abraham. So if you continue reading on through Genesis, and I encourage you to continue reading the story of Abraham, you will see step by step how God reveals his plan. And the truth is that Abraham never actually sees the end of this vision. He doesn't know that at the very end, 
that God says to him, leave, go to this place, and I'm going to multiply your offspring as many as the stars in the sky. Abraham never sees the end. And in the end, his offspring, one of them is the king of kings, Jesus. Abraham doesn't see him and doesn't see the full picture. And so maybe God is calling you to something and you might not ever see the end result. That's also a possibility. But we can find encouragement here that as you follow what God asks you to do, he will show you along the way. The next verb is in verse 4, and it says, So Abram left. I love this part. Uh, I wish there was more detail about what he was thinking and, and how long this took or just more detail. But all we know is, so Abram left. And here we see an incredible act of obedience. It can be very hard sometimes to do what God tells us to do or to do what we know we need to do. Uh, it can be very hard to obey. But here we see an incredible act of obedience. He just left just did what God asked him to do. Obedience requires a tremendous amount of trust. I imagine that Abram did trust the Lord, obviously, but that when he lived in Ur, in the city of Ur, they worshiped the moon god Nana. I don't know if Abram worshiped this god. And there were other gods in this city as well, but there was not the god that we worship today, our God, the one true God, Yahweh, he was not mentioned in this city. And so Abram met God. God came and he spoke to Abram. God, Abram heard the audible voice of God. Because he heard God's voice, he trusted him. And for those of us today who push back and say, yeah, well, God spoke directly to Abram. Yeah, he did. But God speaks directly to us through this through his Holy Spirit. Abram didn't have the Bible. We have the Bible, we have the Holy Spirit, and we have people who speak to us in our lives. But Abram trusted God because he knew God, because he had met God. And so I hope for those of you today who are struggling perhaps with this idea, but I need to hear God, you have to know him. And so I challenge you and I encourage you, dig deep in this Bible. Make one of your resolutions to read through the whole Bible in a year. You can know him by reading this. You can know him by praying and just asking, God, show me who you are. Jesus, I want to know you more this year. I want to know you, God. And in knowing, you can develop trust. And in developing trust, you can develop obedience. So Abram left, a wonderful act of obedience. The next verbs come in verse 7 and verse 8. Of course, there are other verbs, but the ones I want to point out are these. Build an altar. Built an altar to the Lord. What does it mean to build an, build an altar? Where there, there are multiple reasons why you would build an altar, the reason that Abram probably did it was to commemorate or to remember, this is where God has brought me. And so when times get tough, I can come back to this altar and remember, this is where God brought me. It's been tough, it's been hard, but God has brought me this far. And so he builds an altar. It's important as we look at our vision, 
And as we move toward vision to always remember what God is doing and how he is helping us and how he's moving us forward. And so, for example, the story I told you about my friend, when they get, got to Washington, as time has passed, there have been times that she's called me and said, I don't know why we did this. It's so hard. I don't know why we're here. And then together we'll go back and we'll, we'll say, well, yeah, but do you remember when we went to that event and you won that raffle? And do you remember when we sat together in our living room and we begged God to show us? And he did. And we'll go through all these times of remembering why he brought them there. It's important to do that as you work toward your vision or whatever God has called you to do is to remember the steps along the way. Write them down, journal them, go back to these times where you can remember what God has asked you to do and why because it will get hard. And you'll need to go back and remember, this is why I'm doing this. Build an altar. Another reason to have an altar is to sacrifice something. And so perhaps what we can pull from this is that in following vision, it often involves sacrifice. We often have to let go of things that we hold tightly to, let go of the things that we cling tightly to so that we can walk forward and move forward. So along the path, Abram stops and he builds these altars. I feel like what he sacrifices is his will and his self. I feel like what he says to God is, hey, God, this is not easy. And man, I miss Ur. I miss the prosperity. I miss the peace. This is not easy, but I trust you. I will obey you and you can have me. Whatever it is you're calling me to, I trust that it's better than Ur. I trust that it's better than whatever I give you and whatever I leave behind. I will trust you. I will obey you. And so he builds these altars. Finally, uh, the next verb in that verse 8, that Abram builds the altar, but then he calls on the name of the Lord. He calls on the name of the Lord. This verb to call, it's written in Hebrew originally. It's the verb kaha. It means to summon or it can also mean to come into the presence of someone. So he calls on the name of God. He asks God to come so that he can be in the presence of God. I promise you there's no better place to be than in the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus. So Abraham takes some time. He calls on the name of God. God, come. I just need to be with you. Maybe you're in that place today. Maybe you know what God is asking you to do. And it's time for you to come and to build the altar and to let go of something and to call out to God and say, hey, I just need your presence. I just need to know that you're with me. I need to remember what you've done leading up to where I am, and I need to know that you're with me in this. The journey of Abram, the journey of my friends out to Washington is a similar story, one where God gives vision, says, I want you to do this, and where they have to develop trust and obedience to follow through on that vision. So as we close up today, uh, I want to come back to our toilet paper. 
And I want to give you just a visual picture, a reminder, something that you can go to in your mind when you're thinking about vision to help us to remember uh, what I believe God wants to say to you today. And I feel like those of us, wherever you're sitting and watching, we might all be in different places, right? Some of us, maybe we have a vision and we know exactly what God asked us to do. Some of us may be sitting there thinking, I don't even know if I'm into this Jesus thing. Um, And so you're in a totally different place. And some of you might be just in a place where, you know what, you can't handle anything right now. Maybe you're in a place of grief and sorrow and all you can do is just be right now. And that's fine. Wherever you are right now, I still believe God wants to speak to you. Um, And I believe um, something that is going on with all of us is that it feels like we are constrained. It feels like we're all tied up. This would be much easier if it was not COVID times and Tyler could just come up here and wrap me up in toilet paper, but he can't. So I'm doing the best I can on my own, but imagine yourself being wrapped up in toilet paper. You are all constrained by something that you cannot let go of. And whatever that might be, I don't know for you what you can't let go of. It's probably something good and peaceful, something that you really love. And it may even look really good. It might be something really good. But it's got you all wrapped up, all tied up. And whatever it is that's binding you, you think that it's very strong and very tight, but it's not. It's just like toilet paper. And you might feel all constrained and all wrapped up and tight in this toilet paper, but it's just toilet paper. And all it takes is for you to just move a little bit and it all breaks off. Whatever it is that's binding you that you don't want to leave is really like toilet paper. You feel tied up and bound, but all you have to do is move a little bit, and it just rips off. So I want to invite you today to pray with me and to respond to this message of vision. So what I want you to do is just close your eyes where you're at right now, and I'm going to lead you through a prayer, and then we'll close out and we will worship together. And I want you to respond to this idea of vision and being bound up and tied. So close your eyes. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come. Picture with me that you are in a room by yourself and you are all bound up, kind of like in toilet paper. It's not really that strong, but it's got you. And I want you to just ask right now, Jesus, what is it that's binding me? What is it that's keeping me from moving forward toward the vision you've given me? or toward the vision that I have, that I choose to believe is from you? Or if you're not a believer, what is keeping you from moving wherever it is you feel like you're supposed to go? What is binding you right now? So I'll give you you just a moment to ask that question. Jesus, what is binding me?
Usually it's the first thing that comes into your mind. What is it that's binding me? And for some of you today, I get the sense that the world has you all bound up and that you haven't yet broken free to say yes to Jesus and what he has for you. And so I just want to pray for you. And you can say this prayer in your own mind. Jesus, I want to break free of the world. I want to break free of the things that I have been chasing that do not bring me peace or happiness. And so Jesus, I choose to move right now to break free and to walk toward you. One step, two steps, three steps, however many it takes. Today I want to move toward you, Jesus. I want to know what you have for me. I, I want to be part of this. I don't want to be in charge anymore. I want you to take control and have my life. I want you to guide me and direct me. I want to walk toward you, Jesus. For others of you this morning, you've made that decision. Probably for many years now, you've been following and walking toward Jesus. And this morning, for you, it's that something's got you stuck, bound up and stuck. And what Jesus says to you is, hey, rip that toilet paper off. I won't force you and I won't do it for you right now, but if you could just rip that off, let go of whatever it is, maybe it's fear, Fear that whatever I'm calling you to, you can't do it. Or fear of money, that you won't be able to afford it. Fear that you might hurt someone. Fear that you might not be right. Worry, anxiety, whatever burden it is. Would you right now just rip it off? Let it go. Jesus loves you whether or not you rip this off. Whether or not you leave it. But I promise you there's something better if you do. So rip off whatever it is that's got you bound off. And now Jesus extends his hand to you and says, come, I've got something better for you on the other side. No, it's not going to be easy, but you must trust me and obey me as we journey together. Picture Jesus extending his hand, inviting you forward into something better. Maybe for some of you, I get the sense that you just can't fathom vision right now. You are grieving. And so perhaps it's not an invitation to go anywhere or do anything, but an invitation to sit next to him and cry. Then do that. Sit next to Jesus and cry it out. Maybe for some of you, the vision is big and it's scary and Jesus invites you to just trust and obey and to try. And maybe for some of you, it's not as big. Maybe it's just a day-to-day -day thing where it's, Jesus, give me vision just for today. Maybe there's someone you want me to call. Maybe there's a letter you need me to write. Maybe there's someone you need me to just smile at. Then do that with Jesus. Make it an everyday vision. Wherever you are, wherever you're at, Jesus says to you, trust and obey. Amen. So as we worship this morning, I invite you to respond to that vision and to trust and to obey.
Thanks again for listening to the podcast of the Vineyard Church, Chester Springs. We hope you share this with your friends and family and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time.